Good morning. morning. Hi. A little chaotic without our our normal pastor here today. Um, I have a few announcements. If you didn't get your bulletin, please pay attention (laughs) or read along. Uh, Remember Wednesday nights, we have started back up with classes for all ages, starting at 6.30 and ends at 7.30. Uh, big reminder for Friends Day, June 27th. Uh, think about inviting someone. That would be awesome. Oh, and maybe take them out for, to lunch afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's been a date change for VBS. It's been changed to, from June. Well, it's been changed to June 28th to July 2nd. Is this really loud? It, it feels really loud to me. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> Mikey. Um, let's see, yes, VBS has changed from June 28th to July 2nd at the park next to the depot from 6.30 to 8 o'clock. The closing ceremony will be on July 4th. Please let Nancy or Brenda know if you are able to help. Um, let's remember Pastor James and um, the family while they're gone on vacation. Make sure to include them in your prayers that they not only have a safe trip, but an enjoyable, restful trip. They've been working very hard. Um, and anyone else who's been gone that we haven't seen in a while, please also remember them that we're still with them. We still love them. They're still part of us. And if you need anything while they're on vacation, you can call Doug Lilo or Dawn. Doug will be in Cedarville from the 13th through the 19th, but you can reach him. And then then if you have a bulletin, you can get his phone number off of there. Um, And then if you contact anyone, you can contact me if you need any help, if you need prayer. I'd really appreciate a text or Facebook message. I'd be more than happy to to, um, help comfort you and give you prayer. Uh, I also want to remind you that we have a prayer station now where there should be two prayer captains, a male and a female. If you want to be, if it's just a woman thing and you feel more comfortable with a woman, there will be a woman there or a man, vice versa. Or if you want both of them, the more the merrier to pray. I'm a little frazzled right now because we are running late. Um, we're never late, and of course, today I was supposed to be greeting, and we're running late. Um, and when situations like that happen, I'm reminded of Proverbs, when it says, a man's heart plans his way, but the, God, but the Lord guides his steps. And that brings me comfort. And that may be a little out of context, but I want to remind you that no matter what happens in life, that God is there with you. That things may not be going the way you want it to, but there might be his divine intervention nudging you in the direction he wants you to go. And if you praise God through it, no matter what it is, give him gratitude and thanks. It'll bring you closer. Um, Could you please stand so we may pray? As we get ready to worship, I want you to remember what Jesus said about worshiping. Um, When he was referring to the Pharisees, he said, these people worship me in vain. No wonder why Isaiah prophesies about you. They worship me with their lips, but they do not worship me with their heart. And what he said to the Samaritan woman, the time is coming and it is now when God desires and you will worship me in spirit and in truth. Are you worshiping God with the truth and are you worshiping him in spirit? God is spirit and he desires your spirit as well to commune in him. God is spirit, the Son is spirit, and the Holy Spirit clenches us all together. He's like the glue that we become one. And in spirit, Are you feeling that love for God for everything he has done? Are you feeling that love? Are you, no matter what happens, are you feeling him with you in spirit? Promising you, just stick through this. Worship me in truth. Know me. Commune with me. 
know the truth about me. And a time is coming when I'm going to wipe away every tear. You are going to be with me, and you are going to dwell in light forever. Just get through this, my beloved. It's such a mysterious thing, Father, that you do this for us. And my prayer right now is if there's someone not feeling you in spirit, that today will be the day that you will open their eyes and their ears to the gospel and know, I am a sinner. There is a truth about you, what you desire, and I have been living wayward from that truth. I have been living so far away from you, but yet you are patient and loving, slow to anger, and you came as the sun to set me free so that I may dwell with you forever. Oh, Father, I pray that this divine, beautiful, loving thing that you have done for this grows in their heart, and today will be the day that they will be reborn. Father, I pray that our worship will be pleasing to you, that it will be a worship not in vain, but a worship in communion with you. Please watch over and guard every heart here. Please claim us as your own. Oh, loving Father, thank you. In the name of Jesus, we praise you and bring you glory. Amen.
sing a heavenly dance, oh God, all that you are is so overwhelming. I hear the sound of your voice, all that once is a gentle and thundering noise, oh God, all that you are is so overwhelming.
seems to hide his face. I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. Christ alone, cornerstone. You 
ago when I was pastoring in Baltimore, Maryland, the uh, telephone rang in the office one day and there was a, a lady somewhere in the community who called the office and, and her question to the secretary was this, what are you Nazarenes? Who are you? A good question. And as best she could, the secretary tried to tell the lady on the phone who exactly what the Church of the Nazarene stood for and who we are. But but, but that's really a good question. Who, who are we and who are you? If I were to ask you this morning, who are you? Now, you'd give me your name. But if I really wanted to know who you are, how would you define yourself? Well, that, that's a, I think that's a soul kind of a searching question to try to come up with an answer to, to explain to people who we are. But you know, the good thing about it is Jesus has already told us who we are. He, he defined us in very clear words that says this is who you and I really are. Matthew chapter 5 tells us that. So if you have your Bibles or your smartphones or your iPads, however it is you read the word this morning, turn with me to Matthew chapter 5 and, and find the definition of who we are beginning in verse 13. Matthew 5, 13. I'll ask you to stand as we look at God's word. And here's what Jesus said as to who you are, who I am, who every one of us really is. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do many people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to every, everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father who is in heaven. You are salt of the earth. You are light of the world. He said that to his disciples and those listening. He says that to us here in this June day, 2021, at Willard, Ohio. Thank you, and please be seated. Now, one of the things I, I regularly received when I was pastoring at Mount Vernon First Church, either I got them by way of telephone or in the mail, was a request for references, people who wanted to know something about someone. They wanted to know about his or her qualifications, you know, whether it was a college application or a job application or a volunteer. And sometimes when I was looking for staff myself, I would compile a list of names of people whose name, who I knew or whose name had been given to me because we wanted to know about those people. We wanted to know really who they were or what their qualifications were would they fit certain circumstances? Would they be good candidates for the job that we had? 
So, so I would get names, or I would be given names by other people, the names of somebody that we would know, and we'd get that name someone, and I would take it around to other people. And I would ask some folks, well, what do you think? And someone might say to me something like this, well, Mike, she sort of lights up the room. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, when she walks into a room, she just lights it up. Well, you know, that's uh, nothing like explaining something by saying it twice. Now, I would scratch through some names. Well, he's a good worker, but he has the personality of a cactus. Off the list he would go. Mike, you don't want that guy. He's 18 miles of bad roads, and you scratch him off the list. And then I'd get some good ones, you know. Works hard. He's not a chief, but he really would make a good Indian. He, he's a real keeper. I, I remember sitting one time at a funeral. Uh, I was sitting at a table with two district superintendents, and in the course of a lunch meal, conversation moved to, to talking about some pastors. The name of a certain pastor came up in conversation. He was known by all of us. And one of the district superintendents said about that pastor, that guy is a real keeper. References, you know, like, you know, you don't want her, but you do want him. You know, th th that person that you'd really like to have as part of your group or part, part of your, uh, your, your corporation, they're real keepers. Now, I imagine this morning that some people already have come into your mind because some of those people that you know fit that kind of description to a T. And then I thought about how Jesus Christ sometimes talked about people. He talked about people with figures of speech. Something, sometimes he talked about them in very, very strong language. He talked about some people, for instance, who were wolves in sheep's clothing. Some people who strained at gnats and swallowed camels. People who were all vine and no grapes. One time he called Simon Peter a rock. You know, I think he had very vivid language that he used to describe people. In fact, it was Jesus Christ who introduced me to the expression, salt of the earth. Let me ask you this morning. Do you know anybody this morning who is really salt of the earth? What kind of person is he or is she? Well, what comes to my mind this morning is hard worker, honest, dependable. If they say they will be there, you can count on them being there. They have integrity. They will do their part. They're, they're respected by their family. They're, they're liked by their colleagues. They're salt of the earth. No pretense. No putting on airs. Just salt of the earth. Now, what really bothers me a bit this morning is that I really don't know what Jesus and his disciples exactly had in mind when he said that. Exactly what did they think when he said, you, you and I, right here today, what we are salt of the earth. So let's look at that for a moment this morning. You are salt of the earth. I thought about how that was used in the Bible in several places. That the salt is sometimes used to draw out best qualities in things. Like seasoning brings out flavor in food. My dad had a heart attack when he was 38 years old. One of the things doctors did back in those days was to place my dad on a salt-free diet. So... My mother cooked everything we ate, and she cooked it without salt. I learned at a very early age in those days how much I miss salt in food, and I learned how to salt food by myself to bring out the flavor. And I really do believe this morning that I think that our Christian life ought to be a flavor in life. There ought to be a radiance to the Christian walk and the Christian experience. That in our world that is worried, Christians ought to be those that are serene. In our world that is depressed, 
Christians ought to be full of joy. There ought to be a sheer sparkle about the Christian life that brings some flavor because we're salt of the earth. Sometimes it's used in the sense that salt can be purifying. Or in ceremonies, the sealing of a covenant sealed with salt. It's used sometimes to talk about our speech. That your speech be gracious, seasoned with salt. It's used some places about making of a sacrifice. Sometimes eating together is called sharing the salt. That's the equivalent of breaking bread in our day. Sometimes it was used about starting a fire because they had earthen ovens back in those days. So it was used to get flames started up. So what did Jesus mean when he said, you and I are the salt of the earth? Now, what really strikes me today is this, that Jesus said, you are, you are. He did not say, you should be, or you could be. He did not say, now come on guys, let's all be salt of the earth. He said, you are salt of the earth. You are to be a preserving, helping, healing force in this world. Not destructive, not cutting, not hurting, not ugly, but healing and helping. That means this morning, we are to speak graciously to other people, seasoned with salt in our speech. That means we ought to be careful about the things we post on Facebook. That means we ought to be careful how we depict those who may differ from us politically. That means we need to be careful how we define other people culturally. That means we ought to be careful what we say about other people, you know, about their background or their ethnic origin, that we need to be careful there and keep it seasoned with salt. Maybe that's what Jesus meant. Or maybe, maybe he meant that when you and I make a covenant with God, that we accept God's way in our life and we keep it and seal it with salt. Maybe he meant for us to get some energy going, to get some life going, to start a fire. And where there's just apathy and disinterest and indifference, to get life started up again. That's our responsibility. And I know, I know he must have meant that you and I need to be part of a community of faith. Don't be like some of those people who only live by their own preferences. You know, I, I like this, but I, I don't like that. For you see, we are members of a community of faith. And there will be some things we like in the church and some things we don't like, but I'm a member of this community of faith. This is my family. This is my life. This is my church. And we share the soul. And really, I don't know. I don't know if he meant any of those things. Maybe he meant all of those things. You are the salt of the earth. What is so striking to me this morning is Jesus said, we already are. I got thinking the other day, I think somehow that we pastors may have failed some members as they came into the membership of the church because we did not take time to tell you what you already are. You see, to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you are the salt of the earth and, and you are the light of the world. Do you know that? She lights up a room when she comes in, somebody says. Now, I'm not exactly sure what that means. Maybe by the way she dresses. Maybe in the way that she, you know, wear her clothes in loud colors and purples and reds and bright yellows there. I don't know, maybe, maybe a big smile. She just sort of lights up the room and kind of outlandish and loud and probably personality and pretty. I, I really don't know this morning. 
But I have a feeling Jesus really didn't mean any of that. When he said, you're the light of the world. That's what you do. I think he simply meant that when you're present in a group, when you are present in a room, when you are present anywhere, you are to help people see things as they really are. How many of us parents have had one of our children cry during the night, Mommy, Mommy, there's something in here trying to get me. And mom goes into the room and turns on the light, the first thing she does, and says to that little child, See, it wasn't anything. It wasn't anybody. It was just that table over there. You remember that table I brought in so you could put your toys on it? It's just a table. And if you and I are Christians this morning, you know, we are lights of the world. And one of our jobs as light of the world is to help people see things as they really are. To help them see that's really nothing but a house. That's really nothing but a paycheck. That's really nothing but a car. It's really nothing but a job. You know, it's nothing but a bunch of clothes in a closet. That's all that really is. For you see, in the culture in which you and I live, people tend to see things bigger than they are or smaller than they are or different than they really are. And to be a Christian is to have a touch of reality because, after all, it's only a meal. It's only a house. It's only a car and a neighborhood. And and I do not worship those things. Turning on the light helps us get the right perspective, and that's what Christians do in the world. So let me ask you this morning. Do you take the nerve and the energy to do that? To help people really see, you know, when people sometimes are moaning and complaining about this or that or something else, help them get some sense of perspective. When they're so proud and cocky, you know, about this and that, you know, give them some sense of perspective. Now, I'm not trying to throw a wet blanket over the things of life. We simply see things as they really are. For many, many years, Mary and I uh, lived with the furniture that we bought when we were first married. Now, you can look at me today and know I've been married for a while, you know, just the years have have racked up. We live with the furniture we bought early in our marriage. It was, uh, you know, very cheap. It was not very good. We, We had a nice living room couch somebody had given us, but everything else we had was falling apart. Our little dining room set was press board, you know, and it was all falling apart at the seams. So a few years ago, we went out and we bought some furniture, some new furniture, first time in our marriage. It was nice stuff. Nice stuff. But you know, as much as I enjoy that furniture that we bought now a number of years ago. Every once in a while, I I go into the room where the furniture is, and I look at that furniture, and I say to myself, you know, it's just stuff. It's just stuff. Just stuff. Nice stuff. Needed stuff. But in the broader picture of life, it's just stuff. And, you know, the reminder that it's stuff helps me keep my perspective clear about the accumulation of things and about buying and slaving for things and getting obsession for things in my mind because it really, in the final analysis, is just stuff. And turning on the light helps us get the right perspective, and that's what Christians ought to be doing in the world. When you and I look at our stuff, has the light enabled us to have a right perspective? For we are lights of the world.
And as Christians, we, we see other people as they really are. We're not to be judgmental. We're not to be putting people down. But we see people as he or she really is. And do you know what that is? Everybody you and I will ever meet is created in the image of God. It is a person for whom Jesus Christ died. That person sitting next to you this morning is someone for whom Jesus Christ died. And if that person were the only person in the world, that is the person for whom Jesus Christ died. And the way that I talk about you and the way that you talk about me And the way that you and I relate to each other is seasoned with the salt of gracious speech. I know who you are. You are a child of God. Maybe that's what Jesus meant. But I want to tell you this morning, the frightening thing about this text is is that you and I can lose it. Did you notice that? We can lose it. Salt can lose its savor. Now, I tried to do a little research on that. I don't think it's a matter of salt ceasing to be salt. What it means is this. The salt can get so mixed up with so many other things that it ceases to be salty because it has so much dirt and so much stuff in it. How does salt lose its saltiness? It loses saltiness by being so filled up with impurities, by being filled up with so many foreign things that are contrary to its nature that it just ceases to be useful anymore. So we hear things like this. Pastor Mike I, you know, I, 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 I know I'm a member of the church, but I, I know I should be there, but I know that I should be tithing, but I know that I should be doing this or doing this, but, and, and we lose it. I want to tell you, one of the things that hurts down really way down deep is to hear someone say to me oh yeah Pastor Mike I I remember when they used to attend church regularly Pastor I remember when they used to give their time and their energy and their money and their talents to reach people in our community Pastor, I I remember when they used to teach a Sunday school class or they used to sing in the choir or they used to be part of the ushering crew. They used to be regularly involved in the church. I remember when they... But what happened? What happened? But it got so mixed up with other things... And the salt had lost its saltiness and they became useless. So easy to do. I remember one of the outstanding couples, Mount Vernon First Church, when I was pastoring. Good folks. Baseball season rolls around. Couldn't teach class, couldn't be in service out every weekend with their kids somewhere in baseball. Nothing wrong with baseball. But it became so easy just to be out of church because they were always gone. But they lost their saltiness in life. And can light lose its light? Sure, sure. Put it under a bushel basket, what Jesus said. Now, nobody lights a lamp and puts it under a bushel, do they? Yes, they do. 
Now, I, I don't like to contradict Jesus, and I don't do it very often, but I have to correct him on this one. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a bushel. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. There's no question but that there's a light there, but it's not helping anybody. It's so selfish. It's so inward. It's so me-centered. You know, I'm afraid to get it out. Take, I don't want to take the bushel off. I'm embarrassed to say anything to anybody about Jesus Christ. I, I'm so embarrassed to say anything about the church, so I'll just keep a hamper over it. And the big sickness of our day is the use of church and the use of religion for no other purpose than to just make me feel better. Someone was asked on television just a while back why, why they attended a particular church, and their answer was, and I quote, because it makes me feel better. Well, I think that's okay. I, I, I feel better myself when I go to church, but that's not the point. The point is the light up the road. Somebody out there is stumbling around. Somebody out there is discouraged and despondent and alone so let's flip the switch and let's shed some light. Jesus said, you ought, he didn't say you should or you ought. He said, you are the light of the world. And that means you and I should be visible, not just on Sunday in church, but we should be visible as Christians in the ordinary activities of life. And our Christianity should be just as visible in the way that we, that we treat the clerk at the store and the way we order our meals in a restaurant, in the way that we, whether we work with our employees or treat or talk about our employer, our Christianity, our commitment to Jesus Christ should be visible in the way that we play basketball in the gym. Oh, before I got too old to play, I used to play regularly. Interesting what happens to Christians on the floor of the gym. Our commitment to Jesus Christ should be visible in the attitudes and the things we say and do out at the ballpark. Our commitment to Jesus Christ should be visible in the way that we treat other drivers on the highway and the language that we use and the things we watch on television, our computers and smartphones. Our commitment to Jesus Christ should be just as strong and evident in the factory and the workshop and the classroom and the golf course and the ball field and the kitchen as it is in church. You are the light of the world. So let me ask all of us today, how is your saltiness? Still salty? Or is it so mixed up with so many other things that it has ceased to be useful? How's your light? How's your light? Is it as evident to everybody out there on Monday as we make it out to be on Sunday? You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. I am the salt of the earth. I am the light of the world. That's who we are. Jesus said it. And that's who we are. Salt and light. And my prayer for myself, and my prayer for all of us, is that when we go out the walls, beyond the four walls of the church, that we're salty, that we're light, that we bring something to our world that desperately needs it and help them get a perspective of things as they really are. Salt and light. Jesus said it, and that's who we are. Father, thank you this morning for reminding us who we are. 
And as we sit here on Sunday morning in church, as we are preparing to go our way in just a moment, I pray that what we say we are here today will be evident to those out there tomorrow. And the way that we act, the things we say, the things we do, everything about us would somehow just generate a sense of the presence of Christ and that we will be salt and light in our world. A world that is so desperately in need of you. Fill us with your presence. Help us stay unentangled from the things out there that would so entangle us as to just kind of get us involved in those things where we lose the saltiness that we should have. And help us not to, for a moment, to put a damper on our light, but to be a light out there. Somebody who's groping in the darkness can see. And help us always to be reminded of the reality of who you are and what you've called us to be. And as we go our way, we go with the presence of the Lord and a sense of your commission to us to be salt and light. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You're salt. You're light. Let's be that this week. Would you stand with me, please? Thanks for having me back. And I hope God will bless you this week with his presence. May his spirit, may his spirit be poured out on you as you go out to be salt and light. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us. And may we, may we just be walking examples of who you want us to be, salt and light. We can't do that by ourselves, Lord, we know that. But will you touch every one of us with a new sense of your spirit, And may the Spirit of God so fill us that tomorrow and all of our days will be filled up to overflowing with the living presence of the living Christ. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day in the Lord today.